Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Maybe a relative, a friend, a prodigal son or daughter. God, it's too late. They're never coming back to you. It could be this morning that this week you got a lab result. And the doctor said those words to you. It's too late. We have no cure for this. Let me just say to you this morning, it's never too late for God. You have faith. Wherever you're at this morning. Jesus had a busy day, as we can see, healing a demoniac, having a woman touch him and having power leave him, and raising a girl from the dead. What they had in common is that each of them exercised faith that Jesus could make their situations better. Pastor Mark will be teaching us that all we need to do is have faith in Jesus to have him work in our lives. It all sounds so simple to do, but we know that it's both simple and complicated to exercise faith for what looks like hopeless conditions. Pastor Mark will be encouraging us to take from this that Jesus is more than willing and able to hear all of our requests and act on them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark as he concludes his message, Jesus Equals Changed Lives. That power went out of him. The disciples were learning something. They would learn later why Jesus would say before they go to minister, no, 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 go to Jerusalem. Wait till you're endued with power from on high. That's what Wednesday night is all about. Be here, get filled and refilled. So what do I see here? Jesus now has power and authority, not over just nature, not over just demons, but now what? Sickness, gone in an instant, in an instant. Then the woman, look at verse 47, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. She was embarrassed, obviously. In the presence of all the people, watch what she does. She told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Mark gives us another clue to this, and I think it's important for us. Mark says this, for she thought to herself, Remember what we think we become. If I can just touch the robe, imperfect, I will be healed. Here's what you want to write down. Real faith requires expectancy. She expected to be healed. Sometimes we doubt. We don't expect. She expected. Lots of people were touching Jesus, but not with faith. They were just touching Jesus. She had faith that Jesus would heal her. She didn't just believe in God. She believed that God could heal her. 
Now, what is Jesus' response to her testimony? Then he said to her, verse 48, daughter, say it with me, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Most commentators believe because of go in peace is shalom, wellness in every area of her life, that she didn't only get touched physically, she got touched spiritually. Now, that is amazing to me, your faith. Sometimes Jesus heals us because of somebody else's faith or his faith. This time, it's her faith, even though it's incomplete. That's an encouragement to us. Now, I want you to stop for a second. Let's put ourselves in the story real quick. We don't know how long this interaction with the woman took place. Mm, Five, 10, 15 minutes. We really don't know. Now, where were we when this woman started interacting with Jesus? What was happening before that? Remember, I asked you to remember, Jesus is on his way where? To Jairus' house. Okay? Now, what's going through Jairus' mind while this woman's interacting with Jesus? Oh, he just sat down, had a coffee, and waited. Think so? You think he's looking at his watch while this is happening? Do you think impatience could ever be there? Now, I know none of you have anything to do with impatience, except every single light that turns red when you thought it should turn green. Could I hear an amen right now? Why is that idiot turning in that lane and holding me up? We have no problem with impatience. Are you kidding me? You're wondering why the service isn't already over. Oh, shut up. No, let's go on. So what is going through his mind? Let me put some things up there because this is real life. Some of you are asking God to do something and it's not happening at the moment. There's all kinds of other things happening. We don't like God's timing. Look what happens. He's no doubt frustrated. He's no doubt what's his worst fear. She's going to die before Jesus gets there. Next, that fear and worry go together. What am I going to do? This, shall I interrupt him? There's the impatience. Timing's important, Jesus. Don't you get this? And here's the last one. You might think this is a strange one I put up. Jealousy. I guarantee you. I can't prove it. But I bet you this is going through his mind. It would go through mine. Jesus. This is an adult woman. She's had this for 12 years. She's not going to die. My daughter's 12. She's dying. That's more important than her. Come and heal her second. Am I right? Of course. Of course. So all of this is happening. We don't know how much Jesus knew. But when you begin to see this, watch what happens. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus. The synagogue leader, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. His worst fear happened. Now, what are you going to do with that? His daughter's dead. It makes no sense to come now. Of course, dead is dead. It's final. Here's what Jairus is thinking now. And you and I have all been there. Two words that I don't like and you don't like. Here they are. Too late. It's too late. 
Maybe you're here this morning, and that's what you've been saying about your marriage. It's too late. Maybe a job situation. It ain't ever going to get in. It's just too late, God. It's too late. Maybe a relative, a friend, a prodigal son or daughter. God, it's too late. They're never coming back to you. It could be this morning that this week you got a lab result. And the doctor said those words to you. It's too late. We have no cure for this. Let me just say to you this morning, it's never too late for God. You have faith. Wherever you're at this morning. I read a book a long time ago. Warren Risby, amazing book writer. He says this. The title of the book is this. God is never in a hurry. I don't like the title personally. God is never in a hurry, but he's never late. God's timing is not our timing. And I, I know that Jairus is thinking of those words, too late. Everybody would be that. She dead. What are you going to do? But watch what Jesus did. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Now, I like those words. But what do I do with those words? Notice this principle. We as humans live by our five senses. What we see and smell and touch and whatever. What is he saying? No, 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 no. As we head to the house, you have to live differently. This is really how we're designed to live. Notice this verse. You know it very simply from Scripture. We walk by faith, not by our human senses. I can't walk by what I see or feel or touch. It's spiritual. So faith is the confidence that God will do what he said. What did Jesus say? Don't worry on the way to the house. Everything is going to be all right. It's not too late. That's hard. But that's what faith is. We don't live by what we see. We don't live by the words we hear. Too late. We live what Jesus says. Hang with me. Have faith. Your daughter's going to be healed. So as they head to the home... This battle is where? It's in the mind. Every step he's taking, he hears Jesus' words, but he heard the words he just heard initially. Your daughter is what? Dead. No, she'll be healed. There's the battle. It's for all of us. It's always in our mind. Now, as you think of that, as you read the Bible, the Bible gives us hope. There's nothing impossible with God. Let Jesus give you a word of hope this morning. He wants to speak to you in your situation. It's simply never too late with God. Now, when they arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him, Jesus, except Peter, John, and James, and of course, the child's mother and father. Now, As Jairus is coming into the town, just look at me for a moment. When you're dead in those days, still the same this this, uh, today in the Middle East, you're buried on the same day. So as he walks into town, he's battling these two thoughts. And you'll see in the next verse, here's what he sees. He sees the relatives, the friends, the the people in the small town. And in those days, they would hire professional mourners. They're weeping. They're crying. They're moaning. They're down. Our daughter's dead. He's walking into the town. What does that do to your faith? He sees this. 
So it's got to have upset. He's really battling now. Okay, Jesus says it's going to be okay. See, you can't, you can't put your eyes on what people are doing. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ this morning. Now, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead but asleep. What he said is, of course, he uses this analogy a lot in the scripture. Sleep is just a picture of a temporary kind of thing. Death, her body, dead. Her spirit, no, it's going to return to her body. What? The real you is not our body. The real you is our spirit. Now watch what happens. As he's watching all of this, and Jesus repeats this. What's he, what, what, why does he say she's not dead but asleep? Who is he saying that for? The dad and the mom. Because they're seeing what looks like dead to them. He said, no, no, no. She's just asleep. She's going to be fine. Now, look at verse 53. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. When you and I step out in faith, expect people to laugh. It's okay. They don't get it. That's right. Can you imagine what the other unbelievers in that school, when they watched those Christians, not all of them stood, obviously. When they watched them stand, what are they thinking? They're going to be killed. What's wrong with them? That's crazy. You can't live your life by thinking what other people are thinking. You just have to do the right thing. And so... What Jesus is saying is, don't worry about it. Of course they're going to laugh. It doesn't make any sense. Our news media says, what is wrong with those idiot people? Why didn't they just sit there? Why do you have to stand? Because Jesus told us to stand. And that shouts to the world. It woke us up. Church, wake up this morning. We have to stand for Jesus Christ. It's not going to get better. We're going to be persecuted. It's okay. We know where we're going. Now, we don't walk by sight or smell. You see, when real lives change and people are being delivered from demons, people are healed, marriage is being restored. Here we're going to see a woman, a girl's raised from the dead. People are cured of addiction. Most people laugh. Ah, that can't happen. That'll never happen. It's too late. It won't work, whatever. I want you to write this down. Don't be discouraged. The world doesn't get it. See, the world walks by sight. A changed life proves God is real. And your life proves God is real. Verse 54. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Now remember, his disciples are in that room too, baby. And next week you're going to see he's going to send them on a little trip. (laughs) This is good. This causes a lot of faith. Her spirit, what? Returned. And at once she stood up for Jesus. Hallelujah. There it is. She stood up. And Jesus told them to give her something to eat. This supernatural power raised her from the dead. And her spirit re-entered her. Now, I don't know after she stood up why Jesus fed her. She probably said, I need a peanut butter and jelly, baby. I'm, I got a low blood sugar here. Come on, give me something. What do you see from this story? Jesus changes lives. How many people in that house were changed? 
Every single one of them. You see somebody dead get alive? <laughs> You're changed. How many people outside the door are changed? Not laughing now. Who is this man called Jesus? See, Jesus changes lives. You know, as we face this more and more, this targeting of Christians and stuff, which has been overseas and now here, here's something I want you to write this morning. This, this is truth that we have. The world doesn't understand it. They won't understand it until it happens to them. Jesus is the only way for someone to really change. Religion will not do it. Being a good person won't do it. I don't care what kind of church membership you think you have or whatever. That ain't going to do it. The only person. There's only one name under heaven whereby a man or woman can be saved. That's the name Jesus Christ. That's why the persecution is not after the church. It's after Christians. And it's always going to be that way. Because people, Satan hates Jesus. He tried to kill him from the beginning to the end. He's already lost on the cross. Death, hell, and the grave were defeated when Jesus Christ was resurrected. He hates it, but he's very active today. We're here to flood heaven with people. He's here to keep them in hell. That's the battle we face. Now, Jesus does something very strange, and you'll see why. Look at verse 56. Her parents were astonished, of course, when she came back to life. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Now, why in the world would he do this? Now, remember, uh, he says, be silent. Don't talk about this miracle. Of course, when they walk out the door, people are going to talk. But he says, don't make this the big deal. Why is he doing it? Remember the man who was, who was uh, freed of the demon? What did he tell that man to do? Go tell all your friends that Jesus changed you. What happened when the woman was healed instantly of 12 years of bleeding? She stood up and told the whole crowd, I've been healed. Then why in the world does he say to these people, shh, here's why. Jesus didn't want to be known just for healing people, just for raising people from the dead. By the way, Jesus didn't raise hardly very few people. And all through the New Testament, we have a few people raised from the dead. That's not why he came. He does that periodically. He does heal us from our diseases. He certainly frees people from demons today. But let me ask you a question. What is Jesus after then? Very simple. See if you can get this. That man that was totally changed when the demons left him, did that man ever die? Hello? Yeah, he died. Okay. The woman that was healed after 12 years of bleeding, she was totally instantly healed by the power of Jesus Christ. Did she eventually die? Yeah. 14-year-old girl raised from the dead. Did she die again? Yes, she did. Where are all three of those? In heaven. That's what Jesus came for. See, he doesn't want to just be known for healing people. He does. Hallelujah. For casting demons out, he does. Hallelujah. For sometimes shocking us all by raising the dead. But what he wants is changed lives spiritually, not physically. See, the real you is not physical. The real you is spiritual. You will spend somewhere forever when you die, and you will. Where will that be? Jesus came. The mission of the church is not physical. 
The mission of the church is spiritual. Yes, one can, you can. We, do, we love to do all of that. We are to do that. But the bottom line is, we can't help people raise them from the dead, heal them, feed them, clothe them, and they don't come to Christ because when they die, we've missed the point. Paul kind of wrote what it looked like for us. I want to go through this very quickly, then we're going to have communion. Paul says this, and by the way, this is for every single person reading this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Look at me just for a moment. Spiritual death, the word death is separation. The thing that separates you from a holy God is your sin. I was born a sinner and I practice sin. So my sin will never get me to heaven. It will keep me from heaven. And he says, once you were dead, separated from God because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. It was a lifestyle. We all know what that is. We were all the same, every one of us here, just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unsolved world. So we all started sinners separated from God. Here we go. All of us used to live that way. Not certain, well, that murder over there did, but I was a very good person. No, no, no. You had sin. You had sin nature and you sinned. You're separated from God. Following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature, which every single person other than Adam and Eve were born with. You're born with a sinful nature. Now let's say these next two words together. But, oh, come on, let's, let's say it like we mean it now. Come on. But God. Well, what did God do? But God, who is so rich in mercy, getting what we don't deserve. And he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. I earned that by being a good boy. No, he gave it as a what? A gift. That's what Christmas this year is about. God's amazing gift of salvation. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Have you? Some of you have never been saved. You sit in our services today, and I'm really excited you're here. But there has to be a time in your life when you say to Jesus Christ, I want to have my sins forgiven. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. You can't ever be good enough. But Jesus came, went to the cross. The wages of sin is death. And on that cross, he died because your sin and my sin was put upon him. But by his grace and mercy, he offers you this morning the gift of salvation and eternal life. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. What awful words to have to hear. But as Pastor Mark taught, Jesus used this seemingly tragic situation to help Jairus exercise faith in Christ's ability to resurrect his daughter. We need to keep on trusting in God to get us through the mundane things we face every day, as well as what we see as big events like sickness and personal tragedies. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. In the next message, Pastor Mark will begin speaking about internship and how that relates to us as disciples of Christ. Be prepared to be challenged to persevere through rejection and opposition to Christianity, learning to trust God to handle the problems for you. Additionally, we will be encouraged to embrace humility, knowing that taking this attitude will allow God to work through us for the glory of His kingdom. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.